The Baltimore Ravens are early AFC North favorites for the start of the 2023 season. We talk about why and so much more come up next year on this episode of Locked on Ravens. You are Locked on Ravens, your daily Baltimore Ravens podcast. Part of the Locked on Podcast Network, your team every day. Welcome into another episode of Locked On Ravens, your daily Ravens podcast. I'm your host, Kevin Ostriker of Ravens Wire, here with you on the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every single day. Thank you so much for being here, making us your first listen every day on this show, free and available, all podcasting platforms, including over in video form on YouTube. And today's episode of Locked On Ravens is brought to you by LinkedIn. Ladies and gentlemen, to find the qualified candidates you want to talk to faster, but should job for free, LinkedIn.com slash LockdownNFL. That's LinkedIn.com slash LockdownNFL. The post should drop for free. Terms and conditions apply. We're a five-day-a-week Ravens podcast here on Locked On Ravens, Monday through Friday, and more during the regular season when we do live streams every Sunday or whenever the Ravens play directly after their games. So be sure to subscribe on YouTube where you can get those live shows, or if you want to listen to it, after the fact, or if you're an audio listener, be sure to subscribe, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, anywhere you get your shows. Also in subtext, that'll be in the link, or the link will be in the description below in all caps, and that, that's exclusive text conversations, one-on-ones, and more other exclusive content over there on subtext. So tell a friend, tell a family member, we do Ravens news, analysis, updates, and obviously game recaps, which we're doing today on this Victory Monday when the Ravens, you know, went into Cleveland and absolutely demolished the Browns 28 to three. It was a big win. The Ravens down a lot of starters. The Browns obviously no Deshaun Watson in this one. Dorian Thompson Robinson fills in and did not go very well for the NFL debut, the starting NFL debut of Dorian Thompson Robinson. But I want to talk about the AFC North a little bit today. But it is a show like this a couple of weeks ago when the Ravens beat the Bengals in week two. But I think it's even more relevant now. And it's not going to be obviously the exact same show. It's a different game here, different team. But we have more answers to questions and we have more questions for a lot of these AFC North teams. And some of those answers aren't necessarily favorable. So we'll talk about all that here today, especially in the first part of the show where we'll dive more into the AFC North, why the Ravens, to me at least, are the early AFC North favorites. And I want to preface it by saying this is not me saying the Ravens have won the North. This is not me saying give the Ravens a division. Everybody else, there's no shot. Obviously, there's a lot of season left. A lot can change. But early to me, the Ravens feel like the best bet to be the AFC North favorites, and they should be at this point. So we'll talk about why. Then we'll just get into an overall recap of the game. Again, we did this during the live stream yesterday. So if you want to check that out as well, I highly recommend you do so for a more in-depth and extensive recap. Obviously, we'll recap it here too today. But then in the final part of the show, major takeaways, because a big thing for me is I like to give a month of the season. So week four, that's the last week. And then once week four ends... I can start to say, well, these are either trends or they've been solved. So we'll talk a little bit about some takeaways I've had over the first four weeks for the Ravens today. So let's get into it. The AFC North Ravens, Browns, Bengals, and Steelers. Right now, the division stands Ravens on top of three and one sole possession of first place. Then you have the Browns and the Steelers in second place at two and two. I think obviously Pittsburgh has a tiebreaker over Cleveland with that divisional win. And Cincinnati is in the cellar right now. They are one in three. I didn't necessarily expect them to be there, but I guess they've started slow every single season. But the thing with the Ravens and why I believe they're the early AFC North favorites, at least for now, 
is they have questions, but I think their questions are the most easily answered, such as can the pass rush play consistently? I think that will fall, hopefully will fall into place. And there are things that they can do that, you know, aren't as big of a question as example for the Bengals is their franchise quarterback healthy and does their franchise quarterback need to go on IR? Essentially what I think that would mean is punting their season this year. The Bengals made a huge mistake. It was a very big oversight by them. Jamar Chase was right. He should have gotten healthy. The Bengals should have put Joe Burrow on IR and they're one in three right now. I mean, you could argue if Joe Burrow got put on IR, he could be back this week in week five. Bengals could have been one in three anyway without Joe Burrow. And then he comes back fully healthy and they can make a run late in the season. I think the Bengals, I don't want to call them done because I think that's very premature considering where, where we are in the season right now. But the Bengals offense looks pretty lethargic at this point. Joe Burrow does not look like himself whatsoever. And I think the Bengals should put him on IR. And I'm not saying that as, oh, you know, make the, make the Ravens lives easier. I'm saying it because he just he doesn't look like himself and you're risking further injury with this thing lingering on. And just, you know, it's it's not really worth it, in my opinion when there's still a very long and successful career ahead for Joe Burrow. So that that Burrow question is a lot harder to answer than the Ravens, which I think is, can the offense play consistently? Can can they continue to build momentum offensively? Obviously, the Ravens have their own injuries they have to deal with. I'm not saying they don't. The big question for the Ravens is, can they stay, stay healthy and can they get guys back? I'm not saying it's not a factor for the Ravens because it absolutely is. But I think we can cross the bridge of the Ravens now have the – most solved quarterback position in the AFC North at this point, because I think Lamar Jackson, considering Burrow's injury, Lamar Jackson is the best quarterback to be fully healthy in this division right now and is the best quarterback in the best position to win at this point. Because again, in Cincinnati, Joe Burrow's injured. So he's not the best version of himself in Pittsburgh. Kenny Pickett has a knee injury and he looked really bad before that, but obviously hopefully Kenny Pickett's okay and everything. I don't, I haven't seen an update on the injury for him at the time of this recording, but if it's not Kenny Pickett for whether it's a couple weeks, a couple months, the season, Mr. Trubisky steps in and neither of those guys touch Lamar Jackson, regardless of who it is. Then for the Browns, it's, you know, can Deshaun Watson get his shoulder right? And then the question for the Browns is, well, can Deshaun Watson get back to his Houston days? The Deshaun Watson move is not paid off and, nearly any sense for the Browns so far. I mean, there's still time, obviously. The Browns have them for plenty of money over the next couple of seasons. But to me, it feels like the Ravens have been the most consistent AFC North team early, even if there was a loss of the Colts last week, even if there has been some sloppiness, they have to clean that up. I just have the most trust in the Ravens over a full season, continuing to just knock out problems and knock out questions. I'm not saying they're going to be a perfect football team. I'm not saying they're not going to lose a game for the rest of the season. Those are both very unrealistic. But I do think that with the way they have structured their team, if there are no big, big season-ending injuries, like losing Marlon Humphrey for the season would be big. Losing, obviously, Lamar for the season would be big. Mark Andrews, et cetera, et cetera. And knock on wood, obviously none of that happens. But for the Ravens, they've lost J.K. Dobbins. The Browns have lost Nick Chubb. The Bengals, you know, and Steelers, they also have had their fair share of injuries as well. But you can't use injuries as an excuse. I know the Ravens have gone through a very abnormal amount of injuries, and I think that's kind of teetering on, well, look, I mean, what are you going to do with 80 million guys out? But for the Ravens, we have seen the flashes from them. We haven't really seen flashes from Cincinnati. I think the Cleveland defense is really good. I think the Pittsburgh defense is also good. But 
can those two defenses carry those offenses? I don't think the Ravens defense will have to carry the Ravens offense all season. Obviously, at this point, the Ravens defense is playing pretty lights out football for the most part. The Ravens offense is still trying to figure things out with new pieces, guys going in and out of the lineup. Right now, the Ravens are 2-0 in the division. That's also huge. They wrap up their AFC North road slate in week five, this upcoming week against the Pittsburgh Steelers. And then they're done with AFC North road games. If they can, the, the ideal scenario, like, oh, it's, it's pretty good, right? Two and one. That was what we were talking about before the season. Well, they're already two and oh. If they lose to Pittsburgh, it would be tough. Like, it's, that wouldn't be wonderful. But you can say, all right, fine. They got they got out of there of a pretty rough stretch of AFC North road games with a two and one record. You'll take that. But if they can exit that 3-0 and with the way Pittsburgh has been playing, Pittsburgh just got ran out of Houston by the Texans. Ran out of Houston by a rookie quarterback, rookie head coach. And that Texans team looks a lot better. I think the Ravens caught them in week one when you know rookie head coach, rookie quarterback in their first games is head coach and quarterback, respectively. Texans look decent. Titans, who the Ravens have to play in week six, absolutely ran the Bengals and ran them ragged. So, I don't really know. I mean, the Ravens had 28 points. The rest of the AFC North combined had 12 points in week four. I just, I I look at the other three AFC North teams and I see a lot of questions. I'm sure they will answer some of those questions, but can they answer the big questions? I think the Ravens to me are the best position to answer those big questions. And for me, I think that's why they're the early AFC North favorites. Again, does that mean they're going to win the division? No, it doesn't mean that. Obviously they have to go out there. They have to take it. They have to earn it. It's not going to be easy, but the way that the, Slate has fallen for them so far. I would have much rather had it go the way it did, where the Ravens lose to the Colts and beat the Browns as opposed to lose to the Browns and beat the Colts. I, obviously, the ideal situation would have been to beat the Colts and not you know, have these terrible sloppy mistakes to lose that game and be 4-0 right now. But they they did that to themselves. The 3-1, top of the AFC North. I think they're in a pretty good position to win it, but... Again, they have to go out there. They have to take it. They have to not suffer any setbacks in terms of some of these questions they've already answered, and they have to go out there and stay healthy, or at least for the most part, for a full slate of games here as the season continues. But coming up in the second part of the show, we'll talk a bit about the Ravens and Browns game, getting into the 28-3 to win for the Ravens in Week 4. So we should have stayed tuned. Plan to talk about Unlocked on Ravens. But first, this episode is brought to you by LinkedIn. These days, having a potential hire can feel like a high-stakes wager for your small business. You want to be 100% certain that you have access to the best qualified candidates available. That's why you have to check out LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn Jobs up to find the right people for your team faster and for free. I've had a ton of success over on LinkedIn, whether it's finding jobs for myself, finding jobs for the people I know. LinkedIn Jobs has been awesome with that. And it's really easy to create a free job post over on LinkedIn Jobs. All you have to do is add your job in the profile hashtag hiring frame, your LinkedIn profile to spread the word that you're hiring. They have simple tools you can use like screening questions to make it easy to focus on candidates with us right skills and experiences. So you can quickly prioritize who would like to interview and who you'd like to hire. And it's really important to both start and end the year strong and the right team member could help you do that. That's why small businesses are leading jobs number one, delivering quality hires as leading competitors. And then jobs have to find the qualified candidates you want to talk to you fast, but your job for free. LinkedIn.com slash lockdown NFL. LinkedIn.com slash lockdown NFL to push your job for free. Terms and conditions apply. We're back here at second segment of Lockdown Ravens Victory Monday style. Kevin Ostriker still talking with you here after the Ravens 28 to 3 win over the Browns. We'll get into that now. Let's get into an overall recap of the game in this second segment. It was a game that I think Lamar Jackson just looked super dialed in during the majority of it. Obviously, the offense started off a bit slow. 
It was a, a rough go of things early on. The Ravens offense didn't really have a ton of flow to it. The play calling I thought was super, I guess, weird for lack of a better term. Todd Munkin was not opening up the field. There were a lot of these screens and weird run plays. It, just, it didn't feel right. Like the Ravens offense was not getting any rhythm to it. You know, it was throwing everything off. The Ravens defense against Dorian Thompson Robinson was doing his job. You know, they, they were doing their thing and, and making it so the offense at least had time to figure it out. And they especially helped out their offense when Arthur Millette did a tip drill interception to Brandon Stevens and Amari Cooper tried to get to him. And Brandon Stevens, I think, initially was just going to you know give up on the play and stay down. But he got up just before Amari Cooper touched, would have touched him down, returned at 50-plus yards. And the next play, the Ravens get into the end zone with Lamar Jackson. There was a botched handoff between Lamar and Justice Hill that led to a Cleveland turnover. Cleveland got the ball back. But – couldn't do anything with it. I never really felt threatened in this game, personally watching it by the Cleveland offense. I think Dorian Thompson Robinson has some intriguing traits and tools to be a good quarterback in the next couple of seasons, but he's going to need some time as we saw in this game. But let's, let's start with the Ravens offense. Lamar Jackson, 15 of 19, 186 yards, two touchdowns, no interceptions. Also had nine carries, 27 yards and two scores. There it was actually his first career game with both two passing touchdowns and two rushing touchdowns. I would, I would have thought he would have had that record by now, but apparently not. He Again, he looked really dialed in, had that one drive in the second quarter right before the half where he was just, it was dot after dot after dot after dot. To Melvin Gordon, he had a really good just drop in the bucket throw that Melvin, Melvin Gordon actually almost dropped the ball, but he, he caught it right with the fingertips. It was literally the, the perfect spot. There was a throw to Nelson Aguilar that Nelson Aguilar wasn't able to drag his feet in the end zone for a touchdown. I think it will be the talk of social media today. I, I didn't see a clip of it last night, but I think it will be the talk of social media today. So we'll see if uh, my, my prediction comes true. But then he throws the ball to Mark Andrews in the end zone over a couple Cleveland defenders for a touchdown. He he looked comfortable in this game. And now it was interesting because, again, Miles Garrett got pressure. Zedaria Smith and the Browns defensive line they were able to get to Lamar. They brought him down three times at the end of the day. But I still think Lamar was dialed in and was making something out of nothing. Had a huge completion as a Flowers on that drive that I was talking about as well. It was a very good Lamar Jackson game. But the stats will say, oh, only 186 passing yards. We didn't really have to do too much in this because the Ravens, I think, found a little bit more of an identity offensively in this one, which was just pound the rock and then let the offense flow to within itself. Gus Edwards had 15 carries of 48 yards, 3.2 yards per carry, but that's that's a little misleading in my opinion because the Ravens are trying to run out the clock really starting in the fourth quarter pretty early on. And I think that's where some people are not happy with the way the Ravens offense was called in the second half. I think some people wanted the Ravens to be aggressive, be aggressive. This thing isn't, you know, it's not out of reach yet for the Browns. You got to keep play calling. And there were a lot of three and outs for the Ravens late in the game because, again, it was just let's take as much time off as we can. If we get a first down, awesome. I think that's what the Ravens' mentality was. If they get a first down, awesome. But if not, you know, pump the ball back to a Cleveland offense that has barely done anything all day. So I was okay with it. And the Ravens actually scored being conservative late in the game. So, I mean, it, it worked for them at the end of the day. I mean, I don't think the Ravens really needed to – go out there and, and unleash their whole playbook on this Cleveland defense when the Cleveland offense was just such a non-threat overall. I mentioned Gus Edwards and his rushing stats, Lamar Jackson and his as well. Justice Hill, three for 33. Melvin Gordon, three for 21. Tyler Huntley, two for eight. We did get some Pro Bowl Tyler Huntley time in this. 
and Zay Flowers one for negative six. The Zay Flowers reverses have not been great this year. I would I would rather see those touches honestly go to Devin Duvernay, but Zay's electric, so I understand. I understand the the thought process there. Receiving wise, Mark Andrews five receptions, eighty yards, and two touchdowns. Mark Andrews. He loves Ohio. I called him the mayor of Ohio. I know there's no mayor of a state, but I wanted to call him the mayor because I can call him Mayor Mark. I should have just done mayor of Cleveland, but it's out there on Twitter now, so I can't change it. So that's why I called him the mayor of a state. It's not because I don't know you can't have a mayor of a state. But Mark Andrews, in 21 career games against the Browns and the Bengals, he has 98 catches, 1,199 yards, and 16 touchdowns. He is Mayor Mark, I'm going to call him. I don't care what anybody says. He's... He's Mayor Mark out there. And Lamar Jackson himself actually owns Ohio as well, if you didn't know. He has a 14-3 and combined record as a starter against the Bengals and the Browns in his NFL career. So good day for Lamar Jackson, especially when it comes to finding Mark Andrews. Other receiving stats, Zay Flowers, 3 for 56. Belvin Gordon, 1 for 23. Patrick Ricard, 1 for 14. Devin Duvernay, 2 for 8. Nelson Aguilar, 1 for 4. Gus Edwards, 2 for 1. For the Browns, Dorian Thompson-Robinson finished 19-36, 121 yards. Three interceptions. The running game for the Browns also didn't really get a ton going, including a 20-yard loss on a play by Elijah Moore. Elijah Moore, literally, you can look it up on the box score, wherever you get your box score. Elijah Moore, one for negative 20 in the rushing category. Pierre Strong, he ended up, the, the Browns ended up averaging 3.7 yards per carry. It is a very weird number because of Elijah Moore's negative 20-yard carry and then Pierre Strong's 40-yard carry right at the end of the game. So I guess it kind of averages out at the end of the day. But the Ravens still did a really good job defending the run, I'd say, for the most part. And pass-wise, David Njoku, 6 for 46. It, it, the Browns couldn't really open up the field with Dorian Thompson-Robinson in there. Roquan Smith led this team with 10 tackles. Kyle Hamilton, 5. Patrick Queen, 5. Arthur Millette, 5. And Kyle Hamilton got his first career interception. So congrats to him. Jadavian Clowney out there wreaking havoc again. Had two, two almost sacks, one almost tackle for loss. Marlon Humphrey on the victory. IG Live called him. Mr. Almost, which was hilarious to a lot of people. Clowney's been disruptive all season. It's not going to translate to the box score. I think a lot of people say analytics have saved his career because of how successful he's been, you know, getting pressure and getting to the quarterback, but it's not going to show up in the box score because he doesn't finish plays. And the Ravens haven't finished sacks as a team over the past couple of years. So it's like two things coming together. It's like a perfect fit. Hopefully Clowney can finish that up though. But it was a really solid day for the Ravens defense. It was a great day, honestly, for the Ravens defense. They only allowed the Browns 2.6 yards per play as a whole, 1.8 yards per pass. Hold them to 4 of 16 on third down. The Browns actually won the time possession battle, but that Cleveland defense was not used to being out there because they had such a dominant start to the season over their first three weeks that you know they were out there for, again, 29 minutes, 50 seconds, which is a lot more than they were used to over those first three games. So the Ravens did have eight penalties for 92 yards. Want to clean up the sloppiness there. I, I was, you know, some penalties here, some penalties there, but I think overall, this was a very solid game. The Ravens go four for four in the red zone, which is like their red zone offense has been pretty decent this year, which such a switch up from what happened last year for them. So a huge 28 to three win for the Ravens gets them, at least for now, the tiebreaker over Cleveland and moves them to two and zero in the division. 
and three and one overall. Coming up in the final part of the show, though, we will be talking a little bit about some major takeaways early for this Ravens team. So we should have stayed tuned, plenty to talk about on the show. But first, this episode is brought to you by FanDuel. And snap into action this NFL season with FanDuel, America's number one sports book. Right now, new customers get $200 in bonus bets guaranteed when you place a $5 bet. That's $200 in bonus bets. Win or lose. If you've been thinking about joining FanDuel, there's no better time to get in on the action. The app is super easy to use. There's also a wide range of betting options, including spreads, player props, over-unders and more. So if you bet Ravens on FanDuel, you're probably feeling pretty good about yourself right now. Maybe you bet the Lamar Jackson over on total touchdowns. You could have done that as well. And FanDuel would have had you covered. So visit FanDuel.com slash Locked On and kick off the NFL season. FanDuel, official partner of the NFL. We are back here. It's our final segment of Locked On Ravens Monday edition. Kevin Ostriker still here with you. We're a five-day week Ravens podcast. Again, just a reminder, so be sure to subscribe on YouTube. Follow along in audio form anywhere you get your podcasts. Also subscribe on subtext, you know, it's been really awesome building the communities up for not only the show in audio form and video form, but Twitter community, subtext community. We have a lot of different the different communities here. And whether you're a part of one of them or a part of all of them, I really appreciate all your support here that you've given me over the years back in August of 2019 when we started that. And actually in that August of 2019 season, I, I said this on the live show, but in that August of 2019 season, we were all talking in the right around then. Oh, can the Ravens be a consistent team? And they lost two straight games, week three and week four. That week four game was the Cleveland Browns. The Ravens played the Browns in week four this time around, and it did not go that way. They won the game and won it pretty handily. So shout out to them for doing that. But as I alluded to at the top of the show, for me, I feel like it's too early to overreact to things in the first couple weeks of the season. I like to give things the first month. And then I say, you know what? These aren't necessarily overreactions anymore because we've seen them either consistently or they've been solved or they're not consistent for a month, for four weeks. So some of the things that I can take away from the Ravens so far, I think the offense still is not ready to reach its full potential. They've been working at it. They've been, there have been encouraging signs every week. I think week three is a bit of a step back from them considering what they did in week two and even the later stages of that, of that week one game against Houston. But the Ravens will still need probably until midseason, maybe even a little bit further than that because of the injuries they've gone through to get to their full final form of offense because you're shuffling guys in and out of the lineup and that can have consistency issues. Like we saw back in 2021 when the offensive line, I think in training camp, had one guy or two guys out every single day and it took the offensive line a little bit to gel over the start of that season. It's kind of the same thing where, you know, Rashad Bateman's out for a week. Odell's been out for a couple. They just got Tyler Linderbaum back. Ronnie Stanley's probably coming back at some point soon. So you just got to get your guys in there for a little bit and get everything up to speed. But I think for the Ravens, the thing that I've taken away is that I think they want to open up the field. They're just trying to find ways to do it. I think in, in week three, the Colts kind of boxed in what the Ravens wanted to do deep. And that also had to do with the fact that, Odell didn't play. Rashad Bateman had his hamstring tightened up on him. So there, there was that aspect of it. But the Ravens do need to open up the field in order to be successful on, on offense. You can work the middle of the field all you want to, work the short and intermediate routes all you want to. But this Ravens offense is at its best when you can send Zay Flowers deep or send Odell or Rashad or whoever deep and force the defense to send bodies there. That opens up the run game. It opens up the short and intermediate, intermediate game in itself. The screens have not been wonderful early on. And look, one of the Ravens been a great screening team. It's been maybe decades since they've been a good screening team. But that even opens it up because that will force teams to either play guys off and make sure there's enough room for their corners to get a start with those receivers. 
play two high safeties instead of bringing one up into the box or bringing one up to the line. It gives you so many different options, and this allows the Ravens and Lamar Jackson to be a more free-flowing offense that just feels more natural. Like that first half against Cleveland, again, there was not flow to that. It, was, it felt like a bunch of jumbled play calls all in one, and it was kind of like what we saw in week three against the Colts. I think Todd Munkin found an adjustment, which was just work with what's been successful for this team for so many years, but you also can work in the passes, which I think everybody is okay with that as long as the Ravens pick up yards or touchdowns and win games. Now, Lamar Jackson, that's not to me, that's not me saying Lamar Jackson's gonna never throw when he's gonna have, you know, 18 pass attempts per game. No, there are gonna be games where Lamar airs it out. This was a very unique circumstance in week four against Cleveland, where I just think that the Ravens overall didn't have to worry about the Browns offense because the Sean Watson was out and their rookie quarterback was not giving them anything. So the Ravens pretty I don't want to say pretty early on in the second half, but decently early on started to just want to run the clock out and say, we don't let's just get out of here as healthy as we can. So the Ravens offense shows potential each and every week, but I think the sloppiness still has been consistent enough where I can say it has been a trend where they've been sloppy in a different way each week. Week one, it was the 13 penalties week two. You had a couple more penalties in there that, were pretty sloppy week three it was the ball security week four was a little combination of both you just got to clean that up and I think the sky's the limit for this offense defensively I mean (laughs) what can you say about this defense Roquan Smith is incredible you have a duo and him and Patrick Queen Patrick Queen's gonna get paid by the way it's a major takeaway it was a big mistake by the Ravens to decline his fifth year option I get the inconsistencies and them paying Roquan and everything but having, having Patrick Queen on that fifth-year option for next year would have been very nice. So we'll see what ends up happening with Queen, but he has played lights-out football next to Roquan, and I'm super happy for him personally after you know the career he had early on, no off-season workouts because he was drafted during the, the height of COVID. So he, he had to go in there without a ton of starting experience at LSU and, and look where he is now. So great for him. Geno Stone is a player. He's going to get paid. Justin Matabike probably going to get paid. The Ravens are going to probably lose a couple guys on defense in the offseason. But that's not to say like, oh, we have to worry about the offseason right now. I think what my point is, is that they have a lot of guys that are playing at a very high level right now. And that's great because it's not just, oh, they're going to lose all these guys in the offseason. It's they're helping this team win now. And that's what you want. Like if they can help the Ravens win a Super Bowl this year and then they go get paid somewhere else. It's a win-win for the players, for the coaches, for the organization, for the fans, for everybody, right? You want to see those guys succeed. They've they've certainly been succeeding so far. Kyle Hamilton looks like an absolute stud in a new role this year. That's been a takeaway for me as well. But the Ravens' depth in their roster, a big takeaway here is that I think the depth has stepped up every single week, and they've had to because of the injuries. But that's what makes it so impressive because, yes, they've played a rookie quarterback in his first start in TJ Strip. Yes, they've played Joe Burrow, who is not anywhere close to healthy in Week 2. Yes, they played Gardner Minshew, a backup quarterback in week three. Yes, they played Dorian Thompson-Robinson, the backup rookie in week four. I get they haven't gone against the Josh Allen or Patrick Mahomes or Jalen Hurts or any of those guys, but you play who's in front of you. And I think for the most part, outside of that Colts game, the Ravens have done their job defensively, and the offense has at least shown me enough early on to say, yes, I think this offense can be really, really, really good midseason or mid to late season when they finally get their guys back, hopefully finally get consistency, hopefully, and are able to play some games fully together. That's my hope for them. So 
it's big for the Ravens to get that early on. I think they have seen a lot, some questions still to be answered, such as consistency with the pass rush and a couple other things. But I'd say the early returns are overall positive for this Ravens team. That's all I have for you here today on Lockdown Ravens here on this Victory Monday edition. Thank you so much for tuning in. And be sure to subscribe here, follow along in audio form, follow along in subtext and subscribe anywhere you get this show. It's been great doing this. Three and one for the Ravens. We'll be back here tomorrow with more Ravens content. So be sure to stay tuned for that. I'll see you right back in tomorrow on Lockdown Ravens.